Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. So Jeff, welcome to my podcast. I appreciate yeah. it. It's good to have you here. Why would you want to have a loser author on your on your show? I mean, you know, you could have anyone on. Why would you have a loser author? That's my first question for you. Definitely not a loser author. Uh, listeners, we have Jeff Perlman here. He's come on the Forgotten Lakers podcast to talk about his new book, Three Ring Circus. Uh, you've probably seen Jeff, you know, all over TV and the internet the last week, two weeks. Uh, saw him on Dan Patrick earlier today. He's been on Callen Cowherd, excerpts on a feature on ESPN.com, Hoops Hype, everywhere. So thank you so much for joining us for this uh, podcast on your new book. You know, it's, uh, it's weird. You cannot, you're not allowed to complain when your book gets a lot of attention, right? It's, you have no right to complain. I will say, talking about the same subject over and over again, you're always rooting for new questions. You know, that's the one thing you're rooting for, like new questions, give me a new question, give me a new question. Jeff, I'm depending on you and counting on you. <laughs> new, exciting questions, I believe in you. I'm almost positive I'm going to be asking you some new questions. Awesome, I'm in. I'm like 93% sure. Okay. Um, and probably because based on kind of the premise of my podcast, uh, you know, I've been doing it for a little over two years. I guess actually closer to three now. It's called Forgotten Lakers. Uh, basically centers on the careers and lives of former Lakers players that people probably don't necessarily think of right off the bat when they hear, you know, former Laker. Um, a lot of the people you interviewed in Three Ring Circus I've done episodes with, including training camp guys like Paul Shirley and Peter Cornell did episodes with them. I did an episode with Joe Crispin, uh, Penn Berthy, Fred Roberts, um, gosh, Lindsay Hunter, Somalia Samaki turned me down, but I did was able to reach him at one point. <laughs> That's amazing. You're right. Yeah. Because these are the guys I love to talk to when I'm working on books. Like these are my guys. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was cool seeing a lot of those names again uh, in your book, you know, just kind of, it's so cool getting their perspective. Just they, I don't know if they're going to be more honest because Maybe they haven't had a ton of opportunity to talk about it. That's what some of them had told me before, that this was the first time they'd ever done an episode about their Lakers stint. I, uh, and you talked to him, too, it looks like, from the book. I did an episode with Joe Klein, who played, what, eight games with the Lakers in, like, 97. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, a more recent one I did, and I didn't see his name in your book, but uh, he wasn't a player, obviously. But Jim Cotta was their strength and conditioning coach from 98 to 2004. And yeah. so he had – yeah, he had a ton of stories uh, just about his experience behind the scenes. So that was really cool. I don't know why I didn't talk to him. That's interesting. Nice job on you. I don't know why I didn't talk to him. Maybe he blew me oh. off. Or maybe I tried. And I don't know. Usually I get to those guys. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just now hit I him up on Instagram a while yeah. back and he said yes. So Now I feel really pathetic and low. So thanks. Oh, <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so maybe some of these questions I've heard before, but I will try to do my best to Okay. Get used to new ones. Right. Um, so this is your second Lakers book, your first one being Showtime. Mm -hmm. So did you grow up a Lakers fan, or what has kind of gotten your focus around this particular team? Um, I definitely did not. I grew up in New York. I was a New Jersey Nets fan as a kid. I think there are a few things about the Lakers that did it for me. Number one, like, I remember growing up in New York, and there was something really magical about L.A. And... This sounds dumb. Whenever I think of LA, I think of the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Steelers. It was the 1979 season. It was played at the Rose Bowl. And there's all there's all the NFL films highlight video of it. And I remember the sun shining off the Rams helmets in the Rose Bowl and just thinking, man, 
that's freaking magical. And I kind of get that same feeling growing up from the Lakers. When the Lakers were playing the finals against the Celtics, he'd be on TV. They'd do the wide shot into the forum, and you'd see palm trees, and, like, they'd show the coastline at some point. And it just seems so magical. And I've never lost I've never lost that feeling of, like, man, Showtime, Hollywood, Jerry Buss, and celebrities at courtside, and just this land of eternal youth. Um, yeah. So I had that as a kid. I had it when I did Showtime. I've always been drawn. I live in Southern California now. I, I, I didn't live here when I did Showtime. I just always was drawn to that. And I really love the characters, the Shaq, Kobe, Phil, and then all these guys you're naming, like the side characters. I just, I love them, you know? Sure. Definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think I'm a lifelong Lakers fan who grew up in Dallas, Texas. Just when I was little, Shaq was my favorite player. So the Lakers are my favorite team, and I've just stayed ever since. Yeah. But I've also had kind of that similar uh feeling drawn to role players you know the guys who seem glued to the bench just wondering what their stories are getting really interested in their backgrounds what stories they may have to share so it kind of sounds like that's where a lot of your book has stemmed from a hundred percent like you in many ways my quintessential guy was mike penworthy like in a lot of ways that's my guy like and what i mean by that's my guy is master's college so college nobody's ever heard of yeah college career that was amazing that nobody knows about Mm-hmm. comes out of school, bounces around to a bunch of different places, can never stick. Um, you look at him, he's undersized. You know, he weighs nothing. He's not that tall. You just think, what's this guy doing there? And I just vividly remember, like, Lakers in that time period being like, who the hell is Mike Penberthy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just this thing, you know, and it's not from not saying it's fair. Like, small little white kid, like, that's still, like, you're still thinking in the NBA. We're like, what's that guy doing there? And it's just like, who is this guy? And, like, I'm a huge fan of guys like that, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I just am. I mean, you mentioned, uh, what's his name? Samaki, the backup. Yep. Uh, like, I love guys like that. Out of nowhere, played in the, uni- uh, the what minor league was it? It was the American Basketball Association, like bounced around to a million, million different leagues. Yeah. by a bunch of weird, obscure college coaches, comes to the NBA, plays, is a second round draft pick in the Nets, sucks. Only starts for the Lakers when Shaq is hurt. He's terrible. And yeah. to the netherworld, ne- never to be heard from again. Like those, Penberthy, guys like that. Even Joe Klein, eight games with the Lakers. Those are my guys. Joe Klein running a barbecue joint in, Al- in Arkansas now. Like, Yeah. Those are my guys. Those are my joy. Talking to Shaq, Kobe, whatever, those are great. But those guys, the margins, the fringe players, those are my people. Yeah, completely agree. Same here. That's how I got in touch with Joe Klein was emailing Corky's in uh, Little Rock. And uh, whoever, the manager, whatever, got me in touch with him. And he jumped on the phone, which is for a while, strictly, almost exclusively to talk about those eight games in L.A. Amazing. So from what, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know you said you wanted to focus on the three characters in your book, obviously Shaq, Kobe, and Phil. How knowledgeable were you of 96 to 2004 off the bat? Like, did you, you know, consider yourself kind of a Shaq, Kobe, Phil expert for lack of better words or were you just really digging in as a novice i wouldn't say a novice i wouldn't say an expert i'm mm-hmm. i'm probably like you in a lot of ways maybe i'm guessing like i am one of those guys right now i don't know where i put my car keys the last time i drove it which is about two hours ago yeah i know i can tell you joe klein went to arkansas joe klein was on the 1984 u.s olympic team joe klein mm-hmm. yeah part of the joe klein was part of the trade with the boston Celtics with ed pinkney like I know these things off. That's all. I didn't just look that up. Like these are things off the top of my head that I know because my brain keeps those things in my head, right? Like it just, uh-huh. how it works. I don't know why 
it's not that useful except situations like this and writing scores. <laughs> so when it comes to Shaq and Kobe, like, am I great about like, oh yeah, I remember the 20th game of the 2001 season? No. But can I tell you the different teams they played in the finals, who the bench guys were, that Mike Pemberthy was there, that Ron Harper was there, that John Sally was there? Yes. So yeah. on the scale of one to 10, among Laker fans, I'd be like a six. But basketball people everywhere just who know sports, I'd be like a nine. No. Okay. It's funny that you bring up uh, that you mentioned Ed, Pick- Ed Pickney or Pinky. I always struggle with Villanova. his last name. Villanova's fine. Villanova. Uh, I went to undergrad with his son, and it, I kind of found this out like randomly. And we were hanging out one night, and someone said something like, Oh, didn't your dad play in the NBA? And I glanced at him, and I was like, Who's your dad? He said, Ed Pickney. And I was like, Oh, he played for the Kings. And he looked at me, How did you know that? It was just, it was just something that Where stuck in my head. What college was this? Loyola University in New Orleans. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Was that Pinkney from New Orleans? I don't think so. Um, but his son was either a year below me or a year ahead of me. But we, yeah, we kind of had a lot of mutual friends, so we would hang out from time to time. He was um, Ed Pinkney was in the Patrick Ewing draft. He was drafted by the Kings. He wore number fifty-four. He had insanely long arms. He was on the Villanova eighty-five ch- uh, championship team. Yep, like, I think he was the most valuable player, whatever, most outstanding player. If I, I think I you're right. And they had a really yeah. good team um, of scrappers. And he was, uh, he was probably drafted too high, but he was coming off of that. And uh, he yeah. had a long NBA career. He had a good, solid journeyman NBA career. So as you were digging into the, you know, I heard you talk with Dan Patrick earlier, 300 plus interviews. Yeah. Uh, what did you find out through all of those that surprised you the most? Either, you know, about Kobe, about the Lakers organization as a whole, or what surprised you the most that you just blew you away? I mean, since we like fringe Lakers, I would say my, all the J.R. Ryder stories were my favorite. I think mm-hmm. I, love, I love everything about J.R. Ryder. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a little bit out there and uh-huh. he might not show up if you schedule a podcast up, interview with him, but he's really interesting. And he was so erratic in his year at the Lakers, 2000, 2001. Yep. You heard me tell some. I mean, I love, you know, he, he misses three games because his car broke down, but he only lived 300 yards away from the practice facility. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> in a nutshell. And, like, I mean, I could go deep into the Kobe Shaq relationship and the highs, lows, and the fights, and blah, blah, blah. But the truth of the matter is, I really mean it. Like, this, in a way, is the perfect show for me because the J.R. Ryder or Dennis Rodman's 30 whatever games of the Lakers. He was 20. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. 20, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love Cedric Ceballos at the end, nicknaming himself Chice. For yeah. He he's I'm all about that. Nick Van Exel. I love Nick. Like, I just, man, the, the little nuances, the nooks and crannies. Shaq, when Mike Penberthy um, shows up and the only suit he owns, he bought a Banana Republic off the rack. And Shaq tells him to come back the next day. And he has mm-hmm. his personal tailor make him six suits. And buy yeah. Them. Like, those are the things I love the most. I swear to God. They're mm-hmm. not groundbreaking. They're not going to make a million people go, oh, I got to buy this book. But I love the human stories that come with a team. So that's not a great answer, but it's true. No, uh, it was a great answer, mainly because I completely agree. Those types of stories are really fun to hear. I did an episode with Chrisman. I think I said that. And you mentioned the same story in the book about Shaq buying first-class family, first-class tickets for his family to come to his first game as a Laker in early in the 0-1-0-2 season. Those are just incredible. And you know, Paul Shirley had this similar stories about Shaq and Peter Cornell and just getting all those perspectives is always really fun. I think it's amazing and really unusual 
for a guy like Shaq, who was always the biggest, always the strongest, always, you know, was this phenom coming out of high school. It wasn't to have that degree of empathy for players who don't have one, one millionth of his talent. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think it's really unusual. It's common for guys like you'll hear about superstars who really had to work and scrap their way up to make it and saying, I'm never going to forget where I came from. But Shaq didn't come from any of where any of these guys came from physically. He and Mike, I would argue I have more in common with Mike Pemberthy physically than Shaq does, you know, sure. athletically. I just, I really do. I, I was a low level division one cross country and track runner. I probably have more in common with Mike Pemberthy than Shaq does as far as physical ability. But Shaq had an empathy and an understanding and a willingness. I mean, I like the story I interviewed these, you like these guys, Eric Chenoweth, who was in camp in 0304. Yeah. University of Kansas. And he's preparing to go to camp. And one day he gets an engraved invitation, engraved in marble invitation in the mail, inviting him to a party Shaq is having to welcome Carmelo and Gary Payton. And he shows up and he introduces himself to Shaq and Shaq treats him like his long lost brother, walks him through the house, gives him a tour and brings him out to a place where there's a cigar stand where these guys, these Cuban guys are rolling cigars. And he mm-hmm. says to Chenoweth, a guy he's never met, a guy who's probably not going to make the team and a guy who doesn't make the team. Right. Hey, take as many as you want. Take them home for your friends. Have as good a time as you can. If you need anything, let me know. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I enjoy that part of the book. I have unsuccessfully reached out to Chenoweth, so I'll keep, I'll keep trying uh, to get him on. But uh, all right, next question. So one of the um, – or actually right off the bat in the book, you begin the story. It's the author's note about, you know, sitting in the coffee shop January 26, 2020. Um, you know, after you kind of digest that news, take it all in, think about the big picture – global pandemic aside, you know, a couple months down the road, did you consider delaying the book at all with everything that was happening with Kobe or did you, was the dude or uh, release date set or? So the release release date was set, but we talked Mm -hmm. about it. And I think it was my agent who said, maybe we should push it back. I'm not saying I was right. And I'm not saying I was wrong. I don't actually know the answer. Mm -hmm. It felt like eight months was a pretty good amount of time where you could be like, well, that's, I mean, it's not like you were saying, let's have, let's rush it out next month. There's like, it's coming out in eight months. Yeah. And I just, again, I could, you may think I'm wrong and I actually think that's fine or people might think I'm wrong. Like, I just didn't know what constitutes a big enough gap. Is it a year? Do you wait two years? Six months enough? Um, I think one of the things that's important, at least just to me, is intent. And obviously my intent was not to rush out a, I'm going to give you all the gossip about Kobe Bryant. Like, that's not what this book is. Right. So we discussed, everything was discussed and ultimately I sort of pushed hard for just keeping the data as it was. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really have an opinion on it either way. I just wanted to yep. get perspective on how you thought about it. And uh, I haven't heard it one way or the other that people thought it came out too soon or whatever, but it's, it's a really great book. Thank really you. good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I blew through it. Like I told you over the email, really easy read. And that's all you can ask for from, you know, a basketball book. Yeah. yeah. It's funny when people yeah. are like, people will be like, I read your book in a day. And I'm like, Oh, is that, is that good? Like, is that a compliment? <laughs> it's so easy. Is it written at a second grade level and everyone could read through it quick? I'm always like, Oh, that's good. But um, yeah. it's supposed to be enjoyable and it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be nostalgic. And I always say like, one thing I have been asked a lot, I think is a good question is they say, what do you hope people get out of the book? Mm-hmm. And I always say the same thing that I really mean, like 2020 sucks. I'm sure it sucks for you. It sucks for me. It sucks if you like Trump. It sucks if you like Biden. It sucks for everyone. So if you're 
a sports fan or whatever, and it gives you a few days or hours or a couple weeks or whatever of nostalgia, that's pretty good, you know, a little release no. from what we're going through. Yeah, completely perfect. Uh, that nostalgia aspect definitely rings home. Was there another obscure or former Laker you unsuccessfully tried to reach out to to get their perspective? Oh, sure. Um, I got to think who they are. Well, I tried getting uh, Samaki. Is that his name? How do you, it, I, I, uh, I, I say Somalia Samaki. It's, I think yeah. that's correct. I didn't want yeah. Butcher because I never talked to him, so I actually didn't know. I tried getting him, just like you did. Yeah. I love his time with the Lakers. Like, I love his yeah. time. I love that this guy... I hate to be mean. It was kind of fun making fun of it all. You know, like, <laughs> he has no talent to speak of. Shaq is out. So this guy's just, there's one clip. If you look on YouTube, you can find his, him being introduced as a Lakers center one game. And it's like, uh, it's on my, it's on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> like at center, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he was still the last guy introduced, which is kind of weird. Like uh -huh. and, uh, he was terrible. He was just terrible. Like he terrible. And it's funny how like Shaq comes back. And he's gone. I think he went for the Greenville. I think he was sent to Greenville, North Carolina, the, you know, whatever league. Never to be heard yeah. of. I would have loved mm -hmm. to talk to him. And I tried getting all the different guys, like, uh, from the summer league. I tried mm -hmm. getting um, – they drafted out of Gonzaga. The same year they drafted Dewan Wheat out of Louisville. Paul – you know, there's a guy, Paul Blank from Gonzaga. Paul Rogers from Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get him. He was, like, a center out of Gonzaga. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I try to get them all. I literally, if you saw my computer, it's a file for a word file for every guy who played for the Lakers. Yeah. So I try getting them all. Even if they just played a summer league game, I try to get them. That's a good idea to go for the summer league guys. I mean, I've obviously gone the training camp route, but you took it one step further with the summer league guys. So that's the new angle for me. I should pursue. Well, I just think, um, especially with Kobe, he played summer league 96 and 97. Mm -hmm. so there's an interesting sort of, thing to it and what was really interesting is you're let's say you're on the 96 summer league team and you're like or 97 you're dewan wheat from louisville you're a point guard and you're on the summer league team with kobe it's a nightmare because he doesn't pass the ball and you're in yeah. some fighting to earn an invitation to training camp and this mm -hmm. guy won't pass the ball to anyone ever it, it yeah. had the worst summer league team to ever be on in history because you're playing I with can't imagine. Ball. yeah yeah so it's really if you watch that game online, Kobe scoring thirty-seven against the late, I think it was thirty-seven against Phoenix. Yes, fourth summer league game. It's ridiculous how wide open guys are, and he's mm -hmm. just his head is not up. He's not looking. Yeah, it does not look like he would have been a lot of fun to play with at that point. No. Real quick, going back to Somalia Samaki, one of my favorite clips on my Forgotten Lakers Instagram. There was an early game that season that he did play in Lakers versus Portland. He scored six points. So I like scoured the play-by-play, -play, found the full game online, and just cut out his three baskets and put it on my Instagram. And uh, I think like Tracy Murray liked it and gave me the thumbs up because they were teammates at that time. Oh, did you get Tracy Murray on your show? Yeah, I did have Tracy Murray. Yeah, he was one of the first, first or second episode I ever did. Yeah, Tracy Murray's great. He's a really nice. Yeah, guy. yeah, he was. Super get, uh, nice. I tag him and stuff all the time. He usually comments, and it's fun. Did you get Trevor Wilson? No, I. I've asked Tracy, like, where is where the hell is Trevor Wilson? I don't He's know. I know he was. I'm sorry. He was a police officer. Yeah, I, I knew that, and uh, I just, I mean, I've scoured social media looking for anything for him. He rejected me. So oh, okay. Yeah, he rejected me. Yeah, I know he was a Laker early on, early '90s, but he was on. I think he was technically on the roster like Kobe's rookie year for at least part of it. He was in camp. Yeah. 
using cameras. Yeah. Oh, okay. So one thing that really surprised me was the Gary Payton angle. Like I always knew he was a big trash talker. Um, but I guess I didn't really realize that even his own teammates, like, I mean, all the Jelani McCoy stuff you had in the book that what, his teammates weren't the biggest, the biggest fan of Gary Payton. Um, were you aware of that or did that surprise you? I did, you know, he, um, this is a roundabout, but I went to the university of Delaware when Vin Baker was at Hartford and Vin okay. Baker was a stud at Hartford and I was at Delaware. And so I always followed closely Vin Baker's career. I was fascinated by Vin Baker's career. And Vin Baker obviously played with Milwaukee and was traded to Seattle for Sean Kemp. And there was always this thing that Gary Payton ruined Vin Baker, that he took mm -hmm. him out all the time. And Vin Baker was this very shy, blah, 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 and reserved, and that Gary Payton just ruined him. Mm -hmm. And I always heard that, always heard that, always heard that. Talked to Vin Baker, and he, uh, he didn't really say that. But the whispers were always already there. And then I talked to Jelani McCoy, and he's like, yeah, he's – he was terrible. He's basically a cancer and you don't want to play with him. Blah, blah, blah. He had his moments, but, and then I talked to Olden Polonies and he was like, mm -hmm. all that like glove bullshit. That's what he said. All that glove bullshit. It's like, you're not the glove man. You're just Gary. Stop pretending. And um, yeah, they just didn't like him. So um, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have a PhD knowledge in Gary Payton, but I knew yeah. he was by far not the most popular guy in the NBA. Another question, just really real quick about the book. Uh, I enjoyed reading the bibliography for all the sources you use. I read a lot of those same books. Mm. Uh, I helped actually helped Roland Lazenby edit Showboat for the paperback version. Wow. I did an episode with uh, Andrew Van Buren, uh, Between Dynasties, which was a really fun book to read too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what were some of your favorite Laker sources that some of the listeners may want to check out for more Laker more Laker material? So, I think um, let me look at my bibliography. I think uh, I think Roland's book. I don't think he loved his book and I thought yeah. it was really excellent. Like, I don't think he loved it. I think mm -hmm. he liked his Jordan book more. We all have yeah, to write sure. books, but um, I thought it was really good. Like, I think if someone does it, decides to do a Kobe biography and it's almost a guarantee someone will describe to do a book, do, would decide to do one. I think they have their work cut out for him. Cause I thought he did a really good job and it's not just, I just thought he did a really good job. I thought um, Elizabeth K's ain't no tomorrow was a pretty interesting read. Mm -hmm. uh, did you read that? No, I haven't. I, I noticed that I didn't know the title when I saw it in your sources. So yeah, yeah. Um, Shaquille O'Neal wrote a book, "Shaq Talks Back," with Mike Wise at the end of the Washington Post. Yep, great. It's actually really good. And yeah, Shaq, I like told that one too. Me, Shaq told me he never read it. <laughs> it's his book. So <laughs> it's funny. So I thought it was excellent. I thought it was a very, very honest athlete book. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think what others, if there are any others that were super great. Um, I don't know. I mean, one book I read that I love, it's not a Laker book, but Kent Babb at the Washington Post wrote a book called Not a Game, uh, The Incredible Rise and Unthinkable Fall of Allen Iverson. It's one of the best basketball books you'll ever read. It's mm -hmm. really great. It's really, really great. Oh, and then um, Phil Jackson, The Last Season. Yeah, that's a great one. Is gr I'm sure that all those players hated it, but yeah, great and indispensable, like in very valuable to work on this book. So that was really good too. Cool. Yeah, everyone check out Three Ring Circus. It's a really great look at the Lakers from 96 to 2004. An honest look at Kobe Bryant at that stage in his career. And just a fun read, particularly like Jeff touched on for 2020 when we're all kind of clinging to the past for a little bit longer. So uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on Forgotten Lakers. Uh, look forward to your next work. And thanks again. Couldn't be more appreciative. I feel like you and I should team up and do climb my eight games.
as our next book. We can do it together. There's Joe Klein. So the Joe Klein Laker story. Are you with me? I'm so down. He, that was, he was great on the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Uh, probably too down for something like that. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to yeah. make a lot of money. The entire right. Klein family will buy copies, I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> right well, well, thanks cool. so much for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. Take care.